everyone, and welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. Here with uh, my friend and co-host, the great Jamal Murphy. Good to be here, as usual. And not only do we have a special guest, we always have special guests on Bill Roden on Sports, but we're in a special location. Uh, my guest is the great Leon Ellis, who is the owner of Chocolat in Harlem, USA. Uh, Leon, welcome to the show. I, I know I'm a poor praise on you, but before we do that, before we do that, uh, welcome to the show, Leon. It's my pleasure to be here. Yes, he has a great radio voice, right? <laughs> so no, so um, this is going to be something new. I mean, we've we've done a couple locations, uh, you know, location recordings, but I've been coming to Leon's for a while. You know, we, you know, I don't know if it's since you. When, when did you open? Uh, we opened uh, five years ago. Five years ago, and I know probably five years ago. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. If I wasn't the first, I was among <laughs> the first <laughs> wave. You were. <laughs> right, and it's still holding it down, man. Yeah. I'm like telling you, know, yeah. people want to come to you know, Harlem, and they're going to say, oh, let's go to all these places open. I said, no, if, if, if I'm paying for it, it's going to be at a black-owned restaurant. He's going to be at Leon. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. Uh, but, but now Leon, Leon now is a pioneer. He owns half of, you know, he's a baron. Leon is the the Baron half of Harlem, half the the Baron the Baron of Harlem, <laughs> at least in this street. But you're at a 119th, uh, Frederick Douglass. I guess what do you think Frederick Douglass? I guess if he if Frederick Douglass knew then, if he knew knew then, what, what, how do they say it? If he knew if he knew then, yeah. would it? Now? Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. I guess I guess part of him would be very happy. Because yeah. another part of him would be like. Wow, you know, really? I guess more, more, if Frederick if 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 Frederick Douglass back in 1840, 50, 60 had a vision, right? And he had a vision that in Harlem there would be Frederick Douglass Boulevard, mm -hmm. you know, and there would be these shops. Do you think he'd be happy? I think so. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he probably wouldn't be happy with the crime rate. I get you know. That, that, I mean, listen, this is not what this show is about. But however. But if you think about it, think about Frederick Douglass. He was fighting for freedom. Mm -hmm. Remember, he had, a, he had a, a, a life and death struggle with his slave master to get free. And he said that had a completely revolutionary thing on his life about fighting this guy to be free. So now you fast forward. You know, there was, there was the, the Civil War, blah, blah, blah. So I guess and then you told, oh, and by the way, by 2008, there's going to be a black president. So if you just gave him certain details... He would probably, you know, get energized right, and right. say, "Hey, I could go back right, and because right. I know that that this is this is the mountaintop, right?" Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. But the question though is, when we told him the rest of the shit. <laughs> now this is what we didn't tell you. <laughs> not only, not only would, not only would it be, not only would black guys, black and white people, be marrying each other, white people be encouraging it. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, anyway, but no. But um, we're going to be recording our our podcast largely at at uh, at this home in Harlem at at, at Chocolat. So Leon, uh, I really appreciate appreciate the accommodation, and actually just appreciate everything you've done as a business owner because you've been holding it down here for for a while. Yeah, we opened here five years ago, but we've been doing this for 20-something years in Harlem. We were among one of the first restaurants in Harlem, uh, even before, before it, it became what it is now. 
Mm -hmm. So, as a matter of fact, Chocolat was the first restaurant on this avenue. Really? First five years ago. And Mocha that we own was definitely the first restaurant lounge. Yeah. And, and that was in 2004 that we opened. Uh, how, you know, what's so interesting, and this is for people, for everybody who, for our, our listeners who are in New York, you know, we probably know where Chocolat is. What's the exact address now? We're at 2223 uh, Frederick Douglass Boulevard at 120th Street. Uh, now, but Mocha is, is Catty Corner. And Mocha is at 119th Street. It's right across the street. Right. Then next door. The next door, we also own um, Harley Music Stores, Harlem Underground. And uh, that's right next door to us. And uh, a few doors down from that, we opened a coffee shop. It's going to be called Ganache Coffee. Wow. And right next to that, we opened a burger place. It's going to be called Honeycomb Burger. <laughs> now, but don't you have a tea sounds spot? Sounds like half a Harlem. That that's, sounds <laughs> like half Harlem. Me. <laughs> but now, don't you have like a tea place or something like that? Or Madison Avenue or something like that? No, 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 no. That, that, was, that was not. <laughs> okay, he hasn't expanded yet. But, but did you, when you did this, I mean, we're, we're going to be talking a little later on about the NBA playoffs and that kind of stuff. But when you opened this stuff, did you envision that this was all, because really if you look around now, Harlem, I mean, it's like engulfed. Yeah, the, the word is gentrified, but I mean, it's like a whole bunch of white folks have moved up here. Did you right. envision that? Uh, we did which is one of the reasons why we moved from where we were on Fifth Avenue and 111th Street to this location, because we knew that, um, that this change was coming. And what, happens, what happened at the time was there were a lot of um, empty buildings, vacant buildings, um, empty lots. So there was an open um, area for developers to build in. So I just took, I got an idea what the vision was. So we knew it was going to happen, and it and it took five years. It's really not all here yet. Really? No, it's not. But because we have, there's services that person who moves into a 1.5 million dollar apartment. There's certain services they're looking for that's not here yet. Like we what? Have, we have lots of restaurants. Um, they're looking for maybe a, a gourmet market. Um, great cleaners, a great deli, you know, things that you would find in a well-developed residential urban community. Um, but, but it's coming. I mean, we, we, we took a big leap by opening Chocolat, and uh, that sort of uh, was a catalyst for, because people really thought we were crazy when we did that. They thought we lost our minds. But uh, it's such a beautiful restaurant, it became a catalyst um, for all these new places coming in. In fact, we're sitting now in a separate room here that's out, out, off of the main floor, right? Yeah, this is a VIP room. Oh, the VIP room. room yeah, yeah. yeah, in fact, we had a... Hey, you're a, a VIP, man. You gotta, keep, you, gotta, you gotta have you in a VIP room, right? You're Bill Rosen, right? We had an event here, remember, uh, when the Super Bowl was in New York. In this room? Yeah, we had, we had all yeah, the... Uh, yeah. We had some black reporters. Yeah. We had uh, all the... Um, uh, black SI, you know, the public relations directors, mm -hmm. and we it was actually packed. That, that, it was. That was a nice event. Yeah, it was a good event. We'll do it. Beautiful. We'll do it again. But let me ask you a question, and, and it does somewhat segue into the NBA, talking about what Frederick Douglass could never imagine right. in 1840. Right. He could never imagine. Imagine. Now, remember, he was like, where, where, where it was like blood struggle between blacks and whites, the Civil mm -hmm. War. So if we'd have told him, yeah, but listen, 
by 2005, there's going to be something called the National Basketball Association. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the people who are playing are going to be black. And they're going to be making, guess how much? Millions of dollars each. Hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions of dollars each. So he pay, he's going to wait a minute. And they're, and they're all owned by white people for the most part, except for Michael Jordan. Another story. Right. So maybe he would have believed it. He would have believed, yeah, yeah, but, but he would have said, but, it's, but it would be a different type of plantation, Frederick. Like, <laughs> the type of plantation you're on, you're, you're struggling to get off. The plantation that these guys are on, they're fighting to get on and stay on. That's right. That's right. In an early age, too. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so I think that he, he'd be happy, but, but if he asked, well, had, and this gets relative to what you've been doing, if he would ask, yeah, but has the balance by 2016 would the balance of power of actually shifted would black people have more power in 2016 than they do in let's say 1835 I don't know that there's more power but more liberty freedom to do things that you really want to do of course people have more power but in the overall um, sense I don't know that power is what it is, right? What do you think? That what what we've got? Yeah. Well, well, what? Because we have voting power. We have voting power, <laughs> maybe for now. <laughs> right, and then and do we and for a bunch of different reasons do we use that power? And there are there are forces that try to stop us from using it. So, there are, you know, it's 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 political, you know, and and they've given us power in a sense, but it's not always that easy to use. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, if you, if you, the further back you go in time, back then, it was a life and death struggle. In other words, all black people, no matter whether they liked each other or whatever, you all knew that you were in this life and death struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, and that it was, no matter whether I liked you or you liked me, there was a certain degree, because you knew that we, at some point, we all could be massacred right. at a, on a moment's notice, right. that your wife or your family mm-hmm. could be taken away and all that. And I guess now... You know, if 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 we were just giving them news clipping of all the young black kids who were getting killed by police, you know, he'd say, "Wow, well, it's changed to some extent, but are we closer as a people? In other words, are we as unified as a, are we as dedicated to the proposition of our freedom now as we were in like 1835?" That's a big question. What do you think? We're in shock a lot where answers are made. This is, this is an answer factory. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> are, we, are we more unified now as a people, as, as, as a people, and more as committed to our freedom as probably Frederick Douglass and that group was in 1835? I don't think we're as committed as a singular force. See, during, uh, during his time, there, you didn't have much else to fight for. And so people were really focused. Everybody was like, everybody's focused on the same thing. Now, people are more focused on their careers, their families, and a bunch of other kinds of distractions. However, though, I do believe that there's a core group of people who, like I'm focused on it. Yes, and, right. and, and people, and, and, and I contribute in different ways. You know, I employ people, I encourage people. People use me as an example of someone they may want to become. Um, and and lo, lo, yourself, or both of you, for example, um, are powerful in that direction. So I think we contribute differently. Yeah. Not as one unit, but as a separate as separate units. 
because people have different opinions, political, religious, so many different opinions that people have. In, in his day, it was one focus, right? It was one focus towards freedom. But there's a, there's a certain part of us who believe that freedom has been attained or a certain yeah. level of freedom has been attained. Okay, that may be misconstrued, but there, but some a, a, a huge part of freedom has been attained. But yeah. there's so much more to go. Yeah, we're not free yet. And I think whatever you say that, whatever you say that, people, particularly like white people, people say, "Well, what do you mean you're not free yet?" And there are times when I have a very clear and vivid response to that. There are times when I'm at the Times or other places when I say, "Man, we're not even free yet. We're not. We are not free yet." You know, we're like you said, we're freer than we were. In 1835 right. or 1850, right. 60, but hell, look, look, look how low the bar was. Right. But <laughs> I mean, shit. But but I mean, when yeah. you look at when you look at the NBA, for example, and it's my field. I'm a, I write about sport. You look at the the the. I mean, nobody could even. There wasn't even really heavyweight boxing. There wasn't even boxing back then, 1835. I mean, there was no leisure stuff. So when you look at now, we've got you know uh, Major League Baseball with 33 percent of the players come from the whole African diaspora. They're either coming from South America, Central America. Uh, you look at the uh, NFL, National Football League now, where it's like 70% of the players are African American. Minimum salary is about almost a million dollars. Minimum. Minimum. And our kids make up like almost 80%. But then when, when we would take let, let's say we take Frederick Douglass. This might be a movie. I <laughs> You know, they take Frederick Douglass. I take him with me. You know, if they let him, I take him with me. We spend. We're gonna spend a day going to ballpark. So I take him to the press box. No, first I take him to the New York Times, like the sports department. And he'd be there. Well, where are the black people? You know. I said, well, me. I'm the only sports writer. Right. Really? Wow. Okay. Then I take him. You know, to a couple other places. Oh, trust me, it's gonna be like this. No, but I would say though the, that the executive editor. Of the newspaper is black. He said, "Oh, okay, that's that's progress, that's progress." But how come there aren't a whole bunch of black folks down sports? So that's a different story. Then we take him to the press box. I'd walk him all through the press box, and he said, "Where are the black writers in the press box?" You know, I said, "Like there'd be like maybe three or four blacks, maybe." You know, I take him, I take him during the football season. You know, when Clemson was playing Georgia, you know. He'd look in the field, and it'd be like, oh, he said, wow, you mean down here in, in the south? They're like, wow, look at all the black guys around Clemson. Look at all the black guys around. Wow, this is great. Then I said, okay. Then we look at the head coaches. He said, no, no, no. no. In fact, there hadn't been one there. Right. But I said, you were there. Right. Then, then we look around at the athletic director and all that. He said, wow. So then the, the point was that. I see. We're still essentially doing the same thing. Young black men are doing the same thing now that I was, our kids were doing. And they, they're still lifting that bell. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the, it's right? still the labor. Yeah, it's labor, it's still yeah. the labor. And you mentioned, you know, 70% of the football players are black or 90% of the NBA is black. But what percentage is that as a whole in the country? It's such a, it's such a minute percentage that that's okay, right. you know, for the masses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, so I mean, there, it's a very when you when you take this thing off. And I was just thinking of Frederick Douglass because they're on Frederick Douglass. Mm -hmm. So there, on balance, there'll be some good things and some bad things. But I think there, I guess the point of you have we maximized 
and and I think just as a result of this conversation, I think there's probably, you know, when you reach the promised land, like with Moses, they reach this, okay, time, time to get up now. You know, because, no, we want to stay here. You fucking can't yeah, stay here. Because yeah, yeah, I'm right. telling you, I've been to the mountaintop, and there's a horrendous storm coming. Yeah, yeah. And if you stay here, you're going to be wiped out. And so, of course, they're going to be, oh, we're going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Cool, we got to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where at every generation, like with your parents' generation, mine, mm-hmm. you get to a certain point, but you tell the younger, okay, this is not it. This is not the promised land. We got to, I know you don't want to. I know you would rather stay here, you know, and, but, it's, but you got to go. Because if you stay here, trust me, it's, it's not going to be a happy ending. Right, right, right. So anyway, but that's, uh, but you know, last thing, man, before we, you know, you can free to stay at your restaurant. Of course. But, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, 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 but I want, but the, the reason I started with all that was vision. You had a vision. I did. You had a vision. And, and, and some people would say that part of the issue with anybody but African Americans is that you have to have the ability to plan and predict. You have to be able to plan and predict, and that's one of the things that you've you've done. You've well, years ago, years ago, there were a few black home well, there were a few restaurants in Harlem, maybe four restaurants, and I knew that the community economically is a strong community, and these people eat somewhere. I would go places and see them eating, right, in like best restaurants, yeah. right. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay. Harlem is ready for like a really nice restaurant. Not just a typically, what you know of a black owned restaurant, it's like a little bit, uh, I really, no, seriously, a really nice restaurant. And so that's what we started to do. We, we, um, we started to make the vision come alive. And it was a challenge for us to make it happen. Um, but once we opened though, people responded well to us and they continued to do that. Now, what I, did not, what I did not realize, and this surprised me, was that how quickly white-owned restaurants started coming into the process. Mm. And, you know, as, 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 as we all know, these entities come with resources, right. large right. financial resources. Right. And so they came in one huge swoop. And even now in Harlem, I don't. Th- I think it's maybe about the same. Maybe not the same. Maybe four black-owned restaurants, if that many. There was there's Chocolate. There, there's Chocolate. There's Lambasada, which is the um, an African restaurant across the street. There's Sylvia's. There's uh, Amy Ruth's. You include the Cecil. Cove. The Cecil. So that's about four or five. And that's it. That's that I'm aware that I can think of at the moment. Do, do you have to deal with the, the whole phenomenon of the ice, the, the white man's ice is colder phenomena? You know, the white man's ice is colder. That's why we do that. Do you have to deal with that a lot? You know what? I try not to think about that <laughs> because that would be self-defeating. That would be self-defeating. If I believe that an educated person and, you know, when I tell my manager and I talk to my staff about, um, how we treat our guests. When a person walks in a restaurant and sits at your table, never judge them by how they look or what they're wearing, because you'll be surprised that very person you see with a cap in the back of his head and he has a hoodie on or whatever, he may be a major executive or a millionaire somewhere. <laughs> Don't be misled, because right. we, we seem to believe that somebody has to be white and wear a suit to be respectable, right? right. That's a misnomer. That is not happening. And, and, and among and black people. Exactly. Too. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. 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 Yeah, that's right. Really. So, you know, as, as my experience is, we judge ourselves 
more harshly than anyone else does. But I have to believe that by creating a mecca like this, that people will come in and they'll appreciate it and have the same great time as they would anywhere else in any great restaurant in New York or any other city in the world. And that's the foundation on which we operate. Yeah. yeah. That's the only way. And even, even better, I mean, I, I enjoy being around black people. I mean, you know, I mean, I just do. I enjoy being around black people. Uh, I'm not saying, I mean. Most people do. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of all races. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. No, you're absolutely. <laughs> the great Jamal Murphy. <laughs> oh, the hell of a thing. I'm just saying. But you're right, because because yeah, like yeah, we're the source yeah. of all, you know. But you're that, that's such a profound statement because yeah, we're the source yeah. of all this. Like I would imagine when people come to your shop next door, the oh, t-shirt shop. It. We have an amazing store <laughs> next door, man. People walk in, and the, it, black people and white people. I mean, I love the store. It's an amazing store. And then every once in a while, it asks, "Who owns the store?" Right. And someone who's working in store, my son would say, would point to me. And sometimes it's, it, it, people don't accept that right away. Happens yeah. here too. Is that right? What do you mean by that? Don't accept it. They don't believe it, and that, that I'm, I'm befuddled by that. In this particular restaurant, recently, and, and, I, and I hope this is a positive thing we're talking about. Recently, right. I went to a table for some reason, and uh, I went over, and the manager introduced me to the guest who had a complaint. And I'm telling her I'm going to fix it, and great, and so wonderful. And she says, good, because I know the owner. <laughs> <laughs> I say, you do? She says, yes, I do. I said, okay. So who are we? Well, I'm the owner. She said, no, you're not. We never convinced her I was the owner. Wow, this is a white person? This is, she's black. Oh, bl wow. But, but I'm trying to tell you, though, that when people find out, we don't, I don't really go around announcing on right, that. Right, 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 right. But, but a lot of times, people just don't believe us. Or they think, <laughs> I hope I can You're really front. say this. I know, seriously, it's, it's, scary, it's scary. Or they think I'm just a black person in the front for... Right, right. The, 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 right. right. Yeah, exa yeah. Man, exactly. <laughs> Executive exactly. manager. Exactly. And, 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 and this, man, this is 2016. Right. But, you know, you, know, you know, the thing is, though, seriously, and, and this gets, gets back to Frederick Douglass, he talked a lot about this. I think he had a great quote. Maybe we'll dub it in. But he talked a lot about the brainwashing that a lot of people wanted to be. That you know, he said, okay, we can escape. No, we don't want to escape. We want to be right here. Right. We want to stay right here on this plantation because right, right. it's, it's a known thing. It's safe. It's, it's safe. safe. We know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. so I think. But, but I Not think. Not really safe, but it's what you didn't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. It ain't that safe. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, 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 but I think that. And again, that's when you talk about the freedom. We're not free because. That, that one of the things that I, when I was doing $40 million slaves, I spent a lot of time on this whole segregation, integration stuff, you know, and, and, and really they spent a lot of time, still do, making sure that we kneeled at the altar of white supremacy. They said this is very, very important that at every level of society, black folks saw white supremacy, whether it was uh, in a boxing ring or a wrestling match, everything. And they were actually, when they said we had these like black communities developing up in South, they said, you know, you have to put some white people there. You just can't let them, you know, because they, they always, we have to reinforce white supremacy in the books, in the texts, in bank, and everything. So, I mean, 
it's, it's, it's extraordinary. And, and even, even though you go to the NBA being all white in terms of, I mean, all black in terms of players, if you really listen to the broadcast and listen to the media, that basically what, what Jesse Jackson called the, uh, if, uh, what do you call them? The um, appraisers. Mm -hmm. He calls the people, who are the people doing the appraising of the value? Predominantly white people. They are the ones who are telling people this is what this means. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that that brainwashing that, that makes people come into a black establishment mm -hmm. and say this can't be. Well, I want to clarify something though. Yeah. What I just described to you is a yeah. very small percentage of people who do that. Most people who find out that there's a black owned restaurant, oh man, they just love it. And they are extraordinarily supportive. Yeah. And they will keep coming back and bringing friends. But it still disturbs me when I experience that minor percentage of the way people think. Yeah. But I'm, I'm hardened to say that most people do not think that way. Yeah, yeah, they embrace the yeah. fact that it's a black-owned restaurant and it's in Harlem and it's a great restaurant. Beyond anything else, it's a great restaurant. Right. But at the, it, it's amazing that in Harlem there are only four or five black-owned restaurants. It's amazing. Did you read? Did you read the the the, uh, the column the other the story the other day? Was guy was in Harlem? What is it? Harlem is uh, Black Harlem is dead. He, he there's a piece in the New York Times where where some I wrote that you know Black Harlem is dead, and oh yeah, you know, and I was thinking, and we could you know we could we could move on. We could move on to our next segment. But my thought about that is number one. I would say that they say it about the black press too. They say, well, you know, Harlem, for, for me, is in my mind and my heart. No matter where I am, that's black Harlem. You know, I don't care whether we're 90% of black Harlem or 2%, it's, it's gotta be in your heart and it's gotta be in your mind. I mean, that people can't take that away. I mean, Harlem started off, it was white, it was Dutch. I mean, so this idea, you know, but for a lot of people around the world, when you say Harlem, they, it, it means, they think about Duke Ellington, they're thinking about black. Mm -hmm. They ain't thinking whatever this guy was thinking about. They're thinking this black. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you said that because at um, Harlem Underground, we sell Harlem t-shirts. And people come from all over the world, all over the country, and one thing they want to take back is a t-shirt. Right. Or somebody says, you know what, I, I was born in Harlem. Mm. Or my brother lives in Harlem. Everybody's looking for a connection right. to Harlem. Right. I'm talking about people who are white and black. Yeah. It, it, it's a powerful name. It's, it's a, a powerful, very powerful, powerful name. Yeah. And it's a state of mind. I guess that's what I was trying. Yeah. It's a state of mind that the, the quote unquote racial thing is going to change. Yeah. It's going to change. But, but it's the state of mind mm -hmm. of this place mm -hmm. will never change. Mm -hmm. Listen, our, our guest is Leon Ellis owner of so many properties. But right now we're at Chocolat, his restaurant Chocolat on Frederick Douglass Boulevard. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to take a little break. We'll be back and we're going to talk about um, NBA playoffs. I'm not going to say anything about the plantain. We're going to be upbeat from now on. All right, we're, going to, we're going to leave Frederick Douglass. Frederick, we love you. We love you. <laughs> you know, but we'll be back in just a, a couple seconds. We're back. We're back at Chocolat with uh, my co-host, friend, Jamal Murphy. 
and with Leon. Leon, are you going to stay around as we talk about basketball? Do you, oh. Have you been watching the playoffs? Yes, I have. You have been? What do you think, man? I've watched all the games. I think yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. I think a series between um, Golden State and um, OKC, these guys are monsters, man. They are. And I'm thinking, okay, which Goliath is going to fall first? <laughs> right. By third quarter last night, OKC kind of gave up a little bit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, that game six was just, that was it, that was it right there. I mean, that was OKC's chance. Everybody knew it. And they probably played against them to a certain extent because it put pressure on them to win that game. And, I mean, those Splash Brothers just, I mean. You, you could, But you could tell that Golden State had been there before. Right. That they had, they had conquered that demon last year. And, you know, the heart of a champion, that, that thing is real. Right. And, you know, and Cleveland, even last year, had not been. Only person on Cleveland's team who had been there was LeBron, you know. And, I, I, you know, and again, it, it sort of goes back to what you're talking about, business and success and all that. You, you have to experience it. You have to believe it. You know, you have to. This, I, I was telling uh, the judge, uh, this, who was, but when I went to Morgan, I went to Morgan. And when I got to Morgan, uh, they hadn't lost a game in three years, right? Now, I came from a high school program in Chicago. We won two games every year. Two games every year. That's what I quota. So I come to Morgan, and these guys, they're guys on the team, who had, they didn't even know what it was like to lose. And I just remember, and it had such a profound impact, about just, just the confidence that these guys had and how they would – a lot of the older, the coach never even had to say anything. It was these guys. They were the keepers of the flame. They were saying, no, you don't do that. But I remember by the end of my freshman year, I had assumed this mentality because that I just expected for us to win, mm -hmm. you know, because there came to be a point. But they said something that was very interesting. All the upperclassmen, like, who's going to step up? Who's going to step up? And for a long point, it was just a word to me, who step up. Mm -hmm. and, and to be honest, it really – only really when I was a, an adult, mm -hmm. when you start looking at Dr. King and all that, mm -hmm. who's going to step, step up? up right? who's, and, what, and what does that mean? It means mm -hmm. that there's a point that you just kind of wait, well, Raymond Chester's going to make the play. Or Frenchie Fuqua's going to make the play. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Mark Washington's going to make the play. Then they, they leave. They said, no, man, you got to make the play. You're going to make the play. And I think that's what we've been talking about, mm -hmm. even with us. I mean, okay, it was Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass had to make the play. Harriet Tubman right, had right, to make the play. Right, right. And so on. Dr. King had to make, you know. Mm -hmm. So now this generation, okay, now I know you guys are going to some of the greatest institutions in the world, mm -hmm. some of the most elite mm -hmm. Who of you is going to make the play? Who's going to make the play? And what is the play? Mm -hmm. You know, what is the play? So I think that when you look at OKC, I mean, Durant, uh, uh, Westbrook, you can look at that point where they panic. They say, shit, we don't. Mm -hmm. We, we've not been to the mountaintop. We have no idea. We have no idea of what the, of being on the top of the mountaintop looks. Right, and that, that, sometimes that's how you get there, right? You have to go through these painful losses. Right. And hopefully, and, I, and not even hopefully, I mean, they definitely had to learn from that. There's no way you don't learn from an experience like that. We'll see what Kevin Durant does. You know, now he's a big decision. Does he leave? Does he stay? I think they got so – I mean, going into the playoffs, I didn't think OKC – would get that far. I, didn't think, really? and I don't know, you didn't think they really? were going to get past uh, San Antonio, yeah, that's right? right? That's true. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think yeah. they would get right. So, so you got to look at it as a whole. They, right. you know, they were better than we thought they were. They just weren't ready. They weren't as 
mentally tough as Golden State was. And, you know, maybe next year is a different deal. But you're up three and to listen, one. Listen, it's all about winning. Right. Winning. You have to have winning or success. Failure is a big part of success because failure prepares you to succeed the next time, right? So having um, not failed enough, and, 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 and as, as you said before, um, the Warriors having failed and overcome, they overcame all those challenges, they were better prepared when they, when they pushed against them and they hit back. When they hit back, what do you do? When you, when you really, it, it, it's, it's a gut. You gotta want it. Right. You know, right. you got to want it, and, and wanting it is just a part of it. You got to do the work to get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone wants it. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you, you have to have wanted it for a few years. Yeah. Really. Yeah. You know, for years yeah. and years, you had to have wanted it. And Golden State, I mean, those, I mean, those shots that they were making, oh. I mean, obviously great skill and practice. You know, they had to practice forever, years and years to get. But also, Chris Webber said this on the telecast, too. That's not just great skill. That's heart. To right. take those shots. To take that shot. You know, over and over. Everybody, everybody don't want to take that shot. And confidence, <laughs> you know, we all know confidence comes and goes. Yeah. So I'm always marveled by, by athletes that, that, that very rarely show a lack of confidence because right. that, I mean, that's, that's like a serious mentality that you have to and, have. And, and I think it's underestimated. I mean, whether it's like, you know, I run the sports and recreation program, and you see with the young kid, the thing is, you have to drill in confidence at an early age and also tell them that confidence isn't something that you get it and then you just got it for the rest no, of your no, life. No, yeah. no, oh, no, I'll, okay, I got oh, the confidence. No, no, no right? I mean, what, what, Leon, you were talking about, what about in your life? I mean, what, what was, without going into your whole life story, but what mm -hmm. in, in the business sense, what did, was there a point where you had to, you were hit with something that you could have you, you either wilted and said, I'm done? It happens all the time, not just once. It happens all the time. And you, when a challenge comes, you have to determine what is it you really want, mm -hmm. right? That's a key thing to, with the process. And then you have to decide, am I going to make it happen, mm -hmm. right? And then you make it happen. Now, that sounds easy, <laughs> but it's not. Yeah. It's a gut. And it happens every day in business to lots of people who are listening to us right now. They go through failures, and, and, and they rise up from it mm -hmm. because they decided that I was not going to lay down. Right. I'm gonna get up. It's a it's it's a thought process, man, and it's a confidence. Confidence yeah. beats um, talent any day. Wow. Confidence mm. is what makes you take that shot. Mm, and you right. miss it seven times, and you take it at number eight. That's I right. made number eight. That's right. That's right. You, you know what I mean? Right, because there's a lot of people and, and and you can't even fault. I mean, it's like you said, it's a natural thing. A lot of people miss that. Those seven shots in a row won't take the eighth. That's right. In fact, uh, there was a, there were a couple of them on OKC. That's uh, right. Robertson. That's right. Late in the game, he wanted nothing to do with the shot, right. and, then, and then hopefully he'll grow and learn from that, and it'll be different next time. But that's what that's what the difference is. I mean, Steph Curry, think about it. Those games <laughs> three and four, he played horribly. Right. I mean, somewhat to the point where they were you know calling him injured. I mean, he was running around fine to me. Right. <laughs> his 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 head his right. confidence was injured. Right. But he, you know, he went back home, and you, you know, you get it little by little. He went back home. They won a big game five. He got some confidence back. Game six, huge. And after game six, and the, and they won, you knew his it confidence was, was sky high. Oh yeah. And that's right. when game seven came, and we saw and, what happened. And, and, and with a guy like Curry, he, you also have a, he had a frame of reference. He had a frame of reference from the year before. Mm -hmm. He said, "This is I know 
that and and I, I find sometimes I'll do this a lot of times I'll do this. You have to search for a frame of reference. You must. The way I say, you know you what? You have to. You have to. I yeah. did this before. Oh yeah. Oh yes. And I've oh, done yes. this for oh, a yes. long time. Oh yes. You know. And, oh, yes. and, and, but you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it's it's really you, you're right. You hit on something that's a very fascinating thing. It, it, Where man, do you completely. get this from? Yeah, absolutely. It it, it it makes it believe me. For someone like myself who's black, and I have to say this, it's a different world for me. Okay, because we don't have the unlimited resources that other people do. So we have to be extraordinarily creative and be determined to succeed. And that makes, I believe that that makes the whole difference. And also, uh, when it comes to basketball and even business, the culture of success has to be there. You have to have that foundation, mm. whether it's parents, whether it's your friend, whether it's the company you work for, whether it's the team you're on, there has to be this, the culture of support and high expectation. High expectation makes a difference. That's right. You're right. Because we're not going to accept mediocrity. Right. We don't know what that means around here, okay? You, we, you're going to have to win. Okay, so how do you win? You're going to do whatever it takes to win. Like Michael Jordan, he took those free throws until he couldn't lift his arms, right? That's determination. You understand? That's a decision that I want this. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Mm. And that's the separation between talent and grit and character of a person. And that, that is not unique to business or sports. It, it, it's, new, it's life. Right. However, though, sports being such a major thing in all our lives, a lot of us live our lives through sports. Like if your favorite team loses, the next morning you're like, oh man, I don't want I, oh, 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 it's the end of the world. You, you know what I mean? But then you got to get up and you got to say, okay, let me go. Let me, let's, let's get back to it and let's make it happen. And so this is the reason why I believe that Golden State haven't yet met their match, which they will on Thursday. You think so? Oh, you yeah. got a prediction oh, here. Oh, yeah. You think so? Oh, yeah. Listen, they're going to remember last year. Right. When this man beat the crap out of him by himself. Uh, who? You know, LeBron. Oh, LeBron, of course. Because LeBron. I, I assume right. everyone knows yeah, that. Lebr well, <laughs> I'm, no, saying, no. I'm saying, but listen, listen, man, I'm, I'm excited about this game. <laughs> because you know what? LeBron, to me, is the epitome of character, hard work, determination. I'm going to take that shot, okay? Right. I'm going to step up, and he's going to bring everybody with him. Right. I mean, it's not unique. You had Michael who did that. Lots of people, Kobe Bryant. We're talking about sports now. You need a, you need a leader who understands what it is to lead by right. action. Right, you're right. And, you, you know, you're, and you're talking about the shepherd, the good shepherd. You know, the good shepherd. And so I know that you have not been there. Okay, right. I've been there. Like uh, that, I've been right. there, that's and right. I'm gonna take you there. That's I know what right. it looks like. That's right. I know what it looks like. Believe me, you right. can make it happen. That's right. right. That's right. That's yeah. right. No, that, yeah. that, that, I mean, it's, you know, and, and but you go back to I, I keep going back to Frederick Douglass. What level of confidence? I mean, and and, and that, I don't will, just a will, determination. Because you go back 18, there's really no reason for him to think that the next day was gonna be better than his last day. No. When you just look look at the whole tapestry. And he said, what makes you think, what is inside of you? And not only inside of you, but inside of 
all these other mm-hmm. black folks mm-hmm. who are in this impossible situation. Absolutely impossible. Mm-hmm. Strange land, you know, no power, no way, you know. And what makes you all, what gives you the whatever it is to get up the next morning and say, okay, we're just going to keep going, you know. What is that? And I think that sometimes you tell some of my young kids, say, listen, man, this is, I know they try to tell you that you come from a history of failure. No, no. The mere fact that 500 years later we in this motherfucker, you know, it's a, it's a testament to your will, to your confidence against odds. Absolutely. Insurmount- insurmountable odds. Listen, I'm living proof, and I'm sure we all are. You, you, when you get knocked down with that day, you're like, oh, man, what's going to happen tomorrow? You get up and you look at tomorrow and say, okay, I'm ready, let's go. But as I was saying to you before, you have to have, you have to be in an environment where that belief is ingrained inside of you. Or some, some people, I believe, it's innate because there are people who succeed never having had any of those right. accoutrements, right. right? But they believe that there's a determination. I believe it's in your gut. It's like you have to know that it's going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? I, I, I can use my life as an example. How many times I've been knocked down and, and people tell me I'm going to build this place and it's going to cost $5 million and you can't do it. And I have not even one-tenth of that in my pocket, right? <laughs> right, right, right. But, but, but people overcome seemingly insurmountable odds in sports, in business, and in life based on who they are as a person. And it's, it's helpful to have support mm. in a family or, or your friends or, or your church or organization to have that belief that you can break the link. Yeah. You got to believe you can break the link and you can move forward and establish a new formation of success. You understand? So when, when, when I mentioned um, LeBron just now and what I believe he's going to do, and I believe what I believe he's going to do, uh, we just joined by Brandon. We were just talking about uh, LeBron the other day. As a matter of fact, we, we, this conversation, you know, I've had this conversation many times. How you doing? Uh, you can introduce yourself. Oh, Brandon, my son. Yeah, I'm Leon's son. Nice to meet everyone. Yeah. yeah. My name is Brandon. Yes. Radio. <laughs> <laughs> this is radio. I think the whole world don't know him. I guess not yet. <laughs> right. Thank you. Uh, this is Jamal. Jamal, <laughs> Jamal Murphy. You know, Jamal, to remind nice Bill. to meet you, Jamal. Pleasure, pleasure. Um, so just, yeah, your, your, your dad has been holding. Cool. We've been talking about confidence. Yeah. About confidence and just having, you could be talented, but how confidence and will, confidence and will could trump, can trump yeah, talent. Those are, yeah, those are intangibles that are unmatched. Like, definitely talent. It supersedes talent, I feel like, as far as, if you have the burning desire to succeed and a burning desire to be the best, that's what separated Michael Jordan from pretty much the rest of the fray because there was a lot of people that was talented, but you know his desire to win, to be the first one in practice and the last one to leave, and just something as simple as a golf tournament or a poker game or anything, that he was just competitive with everything. Practice, there's so many stories about his competitive nature, and it's just crazy. It's just- 
your, your dad was talking about everybody should have, you have to have background, I mean, you have to have success that you can see. Correct. So what did, you know, what, what did you see in your, I mean, how did that play into your life in terms of you being a young, you know, young person, a person who, who's going to be the keeper of the flame, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, correctly assumed. Um, he, he has those similar traits as far as having a vision and executing that vision and seeing it all the way through and not letting anything deter him, no matter the amount of obstacles that come in front of him or that, you know, because, you know, running a business, any business, whether you're from any race or any facet of life, it's going to be challenges, it's going to be obstacles, things that you go through. And he meets them and he knocks them down continuously and he continues to build and expand and build and expand. And people are always surprised, like, are you still in business? Like, what? Like, of course. Like, you know, so it's just, you know, he has it. He has it. That burning desire, that flame from within, it burns brighter than a lot, most. So who do you think is going to win this? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, before we, before we get into that, <laughs> listen, we're going to take one more. We're going to take one more break. Uh, uh, our guest has been great Leon Ellis, uh, owner of Chocolat in Harlem, USA, on Frederick Douglass <laughs> Boulevard. We've been giving a lot of love to Frederick <laughs> Douglass. Yeah. Deservedly so. <laughs> Deservedly so. <laughs> Snapchat, right? Huh? No, uh, you want no. Snapchat? No, what, no, whatever. It's the newer, the newer social media. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why you're already, here. Already <laughs> <laughs> and we're here with his son, uh, Brandon. And we will be back in just a couple seconds to end of our last segment. Uh, we'll be back in just one or two seconds. We're back uh, with Bill Roden on Sports. Brandon is giving us a, uh, a give me give me a lesson on social media. He's just uh, he's just what did you do, Brandon? You did you Snapchat it? Yeah, I just snapped the podcast, everyone. So I took a little clip. You can follow me on Do Right Under God on Snapchat and Instagram as well. Follow Harlem Underground Clothing Co. as well. Chocolate Restaurant Lounge, Facebook, Twitter, Mocha. everything. Mocha on Facebook. <laughs> and while, while we're at it, bro, Bros Pod with Bill Roden on Sports, Bros Pod on Facebook coming. and uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. We're going to make this happen. <laughs> with, with the last few minutes that we've got, you know, NBA playoffs are coming out, and you know, I'm very excited about it. Now, I must be honest. I must be honest. I, I, I thought that, you know, I thought that San Antonio would be uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> would be not only beat Oklahoma City, but was kind of longing for him in a way to beat to beat uh, Golden State. Not that I've never been a big fan of San Antonio, but the whole thing, the whole thing with with Golden State had just gotten so off the chart, you know, with Steph Curry. And but, but what do you mean? They won seventy three games. I mean, they, it's not like it was some made up. Hype, you know, they, they, they earned it. Well, my first, my first thing would be, and, and you know, I got to be, my foot is about to be in my mouth. You know? But you know what? This is my shit. This is Bill Roden on sports. I'll take it out. <laughs> or cut it out. No, but I guess, you know, you know, it's sort of like with Steph. Again, I think that racism has something to do with everything. Everything. Every aspect of American life. And Steph Curry, I mean, I've met a great guy. Really a nice kid, nice great guy, and all that kind of stuff. But, but the kind of black guy that a lot of people, a lot of white people, feel very comfortable with. 
you know, as opposed to like somebody like Braun or some other people that, okay, I don't know, he's kind of big, I don't know, you know, he's kind of menacing. Well, well Steph, you know, well, yeah, I could, I, yeah, okay, I could see him coming and playing with the kids, you know, or, or I could see him, yeah, I could kind of see, you know, Sherry Ann going out with him, or, 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 uh, I can, or, or even at six one, I could. I think I could do what he does. If I just work hard, if I work hard, by golly, I could. I could do that. You know. You know. I mean, even though this shit is fiction, you can't. But <laughs> right. you can. But whether LeBron and he's like, there's no way in tw- ten million years, years I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that sometimes, again, we talked about the white media and all that. Mm-hmm. They just take something off, and I'm like, man, I just want the antidote. Not that any, not, no hatred against Steph. It has nothing to do with you, but it just has to do with how this median, which I've worked for some years, is, is racist. And sometimes their only contact with black folks is in the NFL. or in the, That's the only very, contact very they got. Yeah, more than sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, most times. Yeah. Yeah. I like to compound on that. It definitely is a racial aspect as far as skin tone with Stephen Curry. Yeah, he's definitely more relatable to America as a whole, white America or whatever you want to call it. And he is relatable. Like, everyone, you're not going to dunk, but you can make a jump shot. Like, anyone can make a jump shot. If you work hard enough, you practice hard enough. Like, that's why Larry Bird, people love Larry Bird so much. And, you know, he was a big, um, what do you call it, like a trash talker. So, yeah, he... I definitely think he's more relatable as just a, a sports figure in general. You know, Mike was relatable because, you know, everyone wanted to be like Mike and the campaigns, Nike, the Bugs Bunny. But St- Steph, just as aesthetically as just how he is, is definitely relatable. His average height, average build. Yeah, we were talking about that uh, yesterday about his height and how yeah. skinny he is. He's like very 180 skinny. He's frail. pounds. Right. Like, yeah. how could, how's that even possible? Right. I guess that's why he takes jump shots. Right? Say, exactly. <laughs> and remember, remember, you, you brought something very interesting. Talk about the whole plantation thing. Remember Colby? When yeah. we said thing about the guy being light skinned or he, yeah. what, remember he said what, what remember he said uh, something? So you're playing you're playing like light skinned to one of the one of the guys on his team. Yeah, he said, you but I mean that, you know, that's that's always been, you know, like R and B singers and you know, like yeah, this like, that's the whole it's it's just you know, it's just like jokes. That. I got you know, I got that growing up. It's just you know, there's nothing. But it does come. It does come from a real. It does come from a real place where you know, and goes like you said, goes back to slavery in terms of who was in the house and who was in the field. So, you know, it's deep. It's deep. I mean, it's, that's our history. Is that, and that's why we represent such a profound truth mm-hmm. about this country. Because it's funny, which is true. I mean, it has mm-hmm. it has some deep roots in it. You know, mm-hmm. and and here we're talking about, and we're talking about, we're talking about. The NBA Finals, <laughs> yeah, it it, 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 you know, it goes back. It can easily go back into what Kobe said about light skin guys. Yeah, and, that, and there's no, so there's, yeah, there's no question that that has played into the whole. I mean, this past series, which was the most watched uh, NBA game ever in terms of cable cable ratings, yeah. it was the highest rated NBA game ever as far as cable is concerned. And you know, a lot of it to me, I mean, you had two great teams, and with the younger generation, you had all this, the young stars, Steph. People love Kevin Durant. People love Westbrook. They do. But it's almost, you know, people were pitting Westbrook against Steph because it's like polar opposites, right? Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, only, really you know, in terms of like, oh, the clean-cut guy who shoots jump shots. Oh, the, the dude you can't predict. and he's, You know, he could do something crazy. and He doesn't care. You know what I'm saying? So it was like I saw a lot of that in terms of different fans, and people were very, you know, hyped 
both ways, you know, yeah. so emotionally invested in this series. Very true. You know, and, and people who, who were rooting for OKC, man, you know, I didn't want to, I had to leave them alone after the series. I was yeah, like, I ain't going to say anything. a lot of angry fans on my Snapchat this morning. <laughs> definitely, definitely so, man. Yeah. I, mean, you were, I mean, you're up 3-1. You have oh, three no. games okay. to one. Okay, let's not even talk about it. I know the pain. I'm, you're a up, big, so you're up. I'm a huge Yankee fan, lifelong Yankee fan, and I'm still upset about 2004, man. That's <laughs> like, yeah, that still hurts me. It hurts me to but the speak, core. But speak, so yeah, speak, speaking of baseball, yeah. you know, I was telling people after game six, you know, I, I kind of – I kind of related that to the Mets because I'm a big Mets fan right. in 86. Yeah. Oh, when they yeah, won that game six yeah. the way they did, yeah. to me it's written after yeah. that. Like, I don't care what happens. It could be a close game, but I, I just had I just knew they were going to win game seven. You don't – when you win a game six like that, game seven is written. Big. I feel like Absolutely. the momentum shifted after game five when he got mm -hmm. those steals on Durant. Like, Curry, little Curry guarded big Kevin Durant. And I was kind of surprised back -back. about that. That's yeah. And they were down to him saying he don't play defense, he only shoots. Mm -hmm. And his ferocity and everything showed, his competitive spirit showed in that moment. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. series switched from there, and it was yeah. never the same. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's God on his side or something, but it's all working. <laughs> <laughs> it's all working now. He's still injured, mind you. He's still he's playing about 50%. Is, is he really injured? Yeah, he's still injured. The ankle injury is real. It's been now, and, then, and then here comes LeBron, right? Yeah, then LeBron's coming, but you know, there's no excuses. They didn't have anybody. So, so okay, so okay, so we got the Cavs, Golden State game one Thursday night. What's gonna happen? What's with the predictions? I'm taking Cleveland game one. I'm taking Golden State this in second. Brad, this is Brandon Ellis. Yeah. Oh. It's Brandon Ellis. Oh, yeah. Let's be clear. This is me, man. I think Cleveland's gonna come out gunning because you know they're hungry from last year. It's a lot, you know, and I love the way Kyrie played Steph, Steph in the first game. He really competed with him and really shut him down, I feel like. So I think Cavaliers should come out gunning game one and set the tone. But, you know, OKC did as well, and I think it'll end the same way in seven. Right, so, so you're picking Golden State to win it. Yeah. You're just picking them. They and I, I kind of agree with you. I think yeah. the Cavs going to get one of those first two games. I mean, especially coming off that series that – Golden yeah. State just came off. Big, I mean, big but at this, you know, at the same time, I feel like guys, reality check. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> this is not OKC. This is reality check. But wait a minute, but wait a minute. But they, they won just as many titles in OKC. Hey, I, I, Cleveland, Cleveland, OKC, you up to the same amount right. of championships. Right, but, but check it out, man. We're talking about LeBron. This is different. And he has a lot to prove. LeBron has so much yes, to prove. He He's two and four in the finals. Yes, he does. It's a big knock on him. He hasn't, you know, led his own team to win. You have to bring a title since Cleveland since '64. It's a lot. But he's two. He's two and four in the finals. I saw a yeah. stat today that said he's only been favored to win twice. So in he's the actually. Yeah, he's he's coming as an underdog four times, and this is the fifth time. And he's the best player. He's I, the best player in the world. But he's not surrounded by the other by the the, the cast he needs to have in order to have a team like the Bulls, whatever. Well, he is now. But he, he, well, he is now. He is now. <laughs> he is now. He is now. I think I think the more the pressure is Kyrie, not now Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. I mean, after just like just like with Westbrook and Durant. I mean, they're talking about oh, where are they going to go and where are they going to go. I think people care a little less now about where they go, about whether right, right. because I said, well, you know, you up three one, and did you have the championship medal to like take it home or whatever? There was a flaw. There's think, some kind of flaw. I think there. Oklahoma City cares where um, Durant goes, and I think because because well, if he leaves, that team is over. 
Yeah, they definitely they definitely go from like down to a seven or eight. Oh yeah, that's their identity. Definitely, and I feel OKC overstated. OKC, I mean, Kevin Durant has a lot to prove personally. I think he needs to stay. I think OKC is the best situation for him. They have the team to win a championship. It's about him within wanting to win and not taking plays off defensively and taking plays off down the stretch and turning the ball over and doing the little things that's going to put them over the top. The little things that Golden State does do, and that's why they're champions. And I think that's why they'll continue to be champions because Cleveland hasn't proved that they can do those things yet. And I agree. I agree totally with that. Yeah. I mean, LeBron, sure. I think Le- – I mean, I, I'm not sleeping on LeBron now. You can't. And, but I, in order to win, I think he's going to have to have a monster series like champion, average 35. And, because those other guys, I, I love Kyrie – but you know he has a lot. I mean, he has to, a lot of growing to do. Well, Kevin yeah. Love. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I'm definitely, Listen, man, I'm definitely not putting all my time for everybody. And I'm definitely yeah, not putting all my chips in Jr. Smith. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, J. I'm definitely not putting my chips on uh, Jr. <laughs> J. Smith. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Have, I think he's gonna have one game where he's lights out, seven, eight threes. That's what Jr. Smith does. It'll be a great series. It'll be. That's why I say it's gonna go seven. And you have to keep in mind LeBron. He was by himself last year. As far as you know, yeah, I think he had like 35, 13 boards and like eight or nine assists, won two games by himself. So, you know, it's possible they could win. But, you know, Golden State, I don't see anyone beating Golden State as at, in a game seven in Oakland. I don't see that. And uh, 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 Jamal? Right, yeah. I got I got Golden State in six. I could see seven. Yeah. But I got Golden State in six. I mean, just, just watching, you know, Golden State is a better team also. Cleveland's a better team this year. But Golden State's better, especially after this last series. I mean, I don't feel like they probably think they cannot lose. And, it's, and they probably can't if they're going to hit 40-foot jump shots with hands in their face. Right. So, yeah, I gotta, I'm going Golden State. They just they showed me that toughness. I don't, I don't see how they lose. But LeBron, I'm still, I'm still hedging. I'm going to hedge LeBron. No, you, never, can't hedge. you never know what he could do. Well, listen. Uh, well, Leon, you said you. LeBron in seven. And listen, I got I to I gotta be consistent. I've chosen San Antonio, Oklahoma. It's like I said, so now I'm going to choose. It's the state of Cleveland. You play fucking uh, Memphis? Okay, I'll take Memphis. <laughs> Who else? The Clippers? <laughs> the Knicks? Well, that, no, the Knicks are the only team. That I would, I, I would still like Golden State. <laughs> but, you know, and let me just say this. I think the other thing that bothers me before we leave, I, I, I've, I never really liked the way they did Mark Jackson. That, that still bothers me today. That bothers me. That yeah. bothers me. That bothers me. Yeah, that bothers me. No, man. Yeah. Michael, no, yeah. oh, yeah. man. Listen. That, that was not, that was not Mark right. Mark Jackson, he built that team. Right. That's his team right. playing right now. All those guys. It is. Know, they are it team. is fundamentally. All of those guys, he brought those defense, guys in. He brought the defense, the team aspect of it, but to get over the hump, oh. you have to have a winner like Steve Kerr. He won with Lou Olsen, Phil Jackson. He got fired as the general manager of Phoenix. What kind of winner is that? But now, but now that same seven, that same seven second offense, Golden State is dominating with. No, he came they and got a team. So he came. No, no, he came. He got a team that was already in place. He didn't already made. made, made he didn't have to build nothing. I, I he disagree. Do, I disagree. Oh, to show up here. He just showed up. That is, not, exactly. that is not what happened. They were winning when he was, he was, they he were, was away. They were winning 55 games, they were and now they're winning 73. They won when he was away. We no, no. When, Steph, was, when it was said. But that's, that's the team. playing to the white crowd. That's team identity. That's team identity. I don't know. I'm just... 
I call it as I see right, it. Hey, I hey, just, I'm, 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 I in see the, it. I'm in the middle. It's, I don't like the way that, that I don't they like did. the way they did. I don't like the, like the way the media yeah, did. Way. No, but no, but I have to be honest with myself, man. Like Mark Jackson's yeah. never won a championship. He has a, he can't take anybody to the promise land. Like, he he hasn't. I done think it. he would have won. The person did not give. The person, the person he did it under Jeff Van Gundy. The person he learned from never won a championship. Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, Lou Olson. These are all Hall of Fame coaches. How many was Steve Kerr won without Michael Jordan? How many has he won since Michael Jordan? He's won two in San Antonio with Greg Popovich. He's won one as a coach. He's won as a coach in Golden State. He's winning. He has about 10 or 11 championships. Yeah, himself. I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, you, he's Kerr, Kerr, Kerr okay. he has a ring. He's, he might be on his way to his second, so it's hard to say. But I just feel like, you know, it took they me a while to get it took me a while to get over to Mark Jackson. I'd love to thing. see Mark Jackson in they New York. Mark because we don't know what they would have done the next year with Mark Jackson because they would they got a year they got a year better. Those they all got better. No doubt, no doubt. All right. Well listen. Well listen, folks. That's the great thing. That's why they play the game. All right. Well, we'll see. So listen, we're gonna be recording, we're gonna be recording live from Chocolate. And, and and when they're down, when Cleveland's up three one, I don't know. Well, where's Brandon? Oh well, he had to. Oh yeah, right, oh, yeah. exactly. He to, yeah, yeah. Well, he's over to shop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, uh, Leon. Thank you, thank you. You know, thank. You. We're gonna be no. We'll be here. We'll be here. So, will you? So listen. Uh, I'd like to thank. Uh, I'd like to thank Leon Ellis for being such a, a great guy, gracious host. Uh, Brandon, thanks for coming in. Uh, Yeah, pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah, and uh, Jamal, of course, be you know holding it down. Yeah, I'm here. Still here. Still, and we'll be back next week for another version of Bill Roden on Sports, and we shall see. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.